March 5th, 2020, Nanaimo, British Columbia. I am pleased to welcome Nanaimo, British Columbia, and Sir Oxman Stadium to play host to the 13th team in the West Coast League. Nanaimo Baseball, from the coal mines of Douglas in East Wellington, to number six in Jingle Pot, from Departure Bay to Nanaimo Harbor, Gabriola, Wellington, Cassidy, and Extension. This is their story. This is Cobalt. Welcome, everybody, to another inning of Cobol. And uh, today, in this particular inning, it's our uh, inning number nine. And I have Travis Conway, my main man, joining me uh, for this ben. inning of Cobol. How are you doing, Travis? Ben, great. How are you? Be I busy. Do- let's, let's be real. The, the, oh, the yeah. Nickname, <laughs> Did the, I call you Tecon? <laughs> you didn't, but... But uh, from now on, we call Ben B. Hizzy. That's his new nickname. <laughs> exactly. Well, we got a great, great interview um, for this last inning of Cobol. And I'm really, really excited about this. What are you? How about you? No, I'm, I'm fired up now. I, I think, um, you know, we have an, uh, the opportunity to talk to a coach who has done so many things and now He's the coach of the Nanaimo Night Owls slash bars. And um, I think it's pretty clear we have a winner. Oh, yeah. Well, we do. Uh, I was ready to run through a brick wall after I got done listening to an interview about this guy. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go run through the wall and, you know, I'll go hit hit some balls out of the park for coach. Well, and so many reasons. Right. So uh, to to pick his brain and talk about this. um, And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get this going. Excellent. Well, without further ado, you know, we keep talking about him, but he's sitting by. So, uh, Coach Greg Frady, how are you doing, sir? Great. I'm, I'm a little intimidated, though. You guys have these cool nicknames. I have, I'm bringing nothing to the table. Uh, oh, T-Con and Ben mm-hmm. Hizzy, I, I need something. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how it goes here, what we can work out. G-Freeze. There we go. Ooh, G-Freeze. But let's use our real names for now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coach. Well, uh, thank you um, for joining us in inning nine of Cobol. This, as you're well aware, you know, this has a, been a documentary podcast uh, series on, the, uh, like I just said, the history of uh, baseball in Nanaimo. And we've gone through from the beginning to where we're at now. And uh, it was just announced, you know, several months ago uh, before recording this podcast that you were uh, the new head coach of the West Coast League 
Nanaimo Owls slash Bars. How does that feel, Coach? Well, it feels pretty awesome, really. I mean, uh, I I think coaching is coaching, and I love coaching. So if it's at the Division One level, at the junior college level, at the West Coast League level, at the international uh, Olympic level, whatever it is, I just enjoy coaching because baseball is still baseball. The crowd maybe get a little bigger. The the media may get a little bigger, but it's still baseball. And it's important to me and the kids that are on the field and the people that are in the in the stands and all the support people around you trying to make your life good. And we all have a role to play. I mean, I think I realize what my role is to play. My role is to organize, to lead, to motivate, inspire, uh, and help people just be better versions of themselves by talking and growing as human beings uh, together. So I realize what my role is, and I'm excited to bring that to Victoria, uh, and then to Nanaimo and all the other teams that are in the West Coast League. I mean, Edmonton, we're, I mean, a lot uh, that's going to happen this year. And uh, I'm excited because I'm the, I'm the rookie. I've never seen these ballparks. I've never coached in the West Coast League. Yes, I have a lot of experience, but but new things, new opportunities, new experiences is what keeps us young. And that's what creates the excitement. And I'm looking forward to meeting the people in the Nanaimo area, getting to know them and uh, being a part of that community and being a, a, a living, breathing, working entity there as well. And I want to go out on the street and see people and recognize them and call them by name and then have them talk about, hey, I'm a big fan. We like how your team played. And that's going to be the plan. So we're, yes, I'm very excited. Yeah. And I'm sure that's what you're going to have coach. And, uh, but before we really, really dive into where we're at now, your, you know, this announcement, how you got to that point and, you know, we're kind of so get some idea and some feel for you from you as to kind of moving forward and, and some style. Let's take a step back. Cause we, in this particular inning, we really want to start off by, you know, focusing on, on you yourself, kind of where you come from, kind of how you got into the game of baseball, kind of what's interesting you. Um, so I, I just really want to start off, you know, you were you were born in Georgia and you're raised there. Um, talk a little bit about like what it was like growing up in the South with baseball and kind of just where you began with it, whether it was with your, you know, a family member, your, you know, your father, mother, whomever, brother, sister, whatever, where, where did you start off with it? Well, that's, I'm happy to answer that, Ben, but man, is this a long story? I'll try to condense that as much as possible because I have, I have lived a life of baseball. I am a lifer. Uh, I, I've lived a baseball life. I mean, from the time I was young, I literally, the first word I said as a young baby was ball. I wanted a ball in my hand and I've always wanted a ball in my hand or something athletically in my hand. And I just love all sports and I love playing. I still love playing, um, but I played baseball at a very young age. Something that, um, it, it just goes right into the heart of this nine innings of baseball is that my orientation to baseball professionally was the Atlanta Braves. That was our team in Georgia. And I love the Braves. And I still can name so many players that played for the Braves. But we didn't have TV to watch the Braves. I grew up in a time where cable TV was just coming into the focus. And so we were very limited on what we could see. So I listened to baseball 
on AM radio, Milo Hamilton, Skip Carey, Ernie Johnson brought the game to me in my ear on an AM radio. And I know if you're my age, a lot of people can really relate to that back there. And if you're much younger than me, you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. I'm not even sure they make AM radios anymore. I'm, I'm not even sure about that. But I listen to the game. And what happens when you listen to the game on radio, they bring you play by play. And then there's some quiet time and it gives you a moment to reflect and you think about the situation. So you visualize the situation. You start to think about what's going to happen next. And it was basically an education for me about coaching, about thinking about the game through. If you watch the game on TV right now, you have the play. And as soon as the play's over, they replay the play. And as soon as that's over, the next play begins. So you hardly have any time to really analyze what just happened. You're having a hard time thinking through that process. When you're on AM radio, you've got a lot of time to visualize who's playing where, uh, are they cheating, what's the pitch count, what they may throw here, what the pitcher throws, what the batter likes to hit, just all of those things. And so I grew up in a baseball, uh, and I was playing baseball from a very young age, and I played baseball. Literally, I was on a team when I was four years old, and I've been on a team ever since that time. So for 54 years, I've been on a baseball team annually. And um, I just know nothing else. And I love it. And uh, I love coaching. I love being around it. It's very natural to me uh, to be around that. And I was fortunate enough to get a college scholarship. Then I was fortunate enough to parlay that into playing on a national championship team as a player, having a lot of players around me fortunate enough to parlay that into opportunities for higher education. And I didn't grow up rich. So baseball was my means to an end. And it gave me the opportunity to go to college to get a degree, which basically education opens doors for people, of course. And then, um, you know, I, I, and then I got a coaching job. And, and then by 26 years old, I was a college head coach, youngest in the country at that time. And I just kept on building. But probably my greatest uh, uh, love has been being on the field with players. But the reason I'm coming to Nanaimo is my relationship with Jim Swanson based on me coaching internationally with the German national team. And I brought them to uh, British Columbia to Prince George. And we played in a tournament. I got to know Jim and I fell in love with the people of British Columbia. I, I really like the people there. I think they're honest, genuine, true, uh, uh, forward. I just like everything about being there. And uh, Jim got to see how I coached and how that style may fit what may work there in the West Coast League. And um, so I, through the German team, I really love uh, traveling and being part of international baseball. And while I really don't consider uh, Vancouver Island is a much of a really a big travel or an international place because I've seen so much. It seems very normal to me, Western culture, whether it's Canadian or, or U.S., it's very similar. So it, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. an easy transition, uh, but it's still international and it's still meeting and, and coaching on a different, different, different coast. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. And that's really been my story. I've been involved in baseball all my life. I, I played a lot of sports in high school and had opportunities to do other sports, but baseball has always been my first love. 
let's hear about this this first love of baseball because uh, what 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 really got you into it? Like, what got you into this into the game itself? Was it like a specific player, or was it something like you know a sibling, a, you know a friend, or you know what was that that got you into the game of baseball? Well, you know, when I was coming up, we for for me for opportunities, there was really only football, basketball, baseball, track, tennis, and wrestling. That was pretty much it. You didn't have a lot of options. We didn't have option for golf. I didn't have an option for soccer. I didn't have an option for some other types of sports. Uh, so I quickly loved the team sports. Uh, I've always been an organizer. Even when I was in elementary school, I would organize the playground games out on the playground. Uh, if we didn't have enough, I would quarterback for both teams. If we were playing touch football, I would pitch for both teams. I'd play whatever. Uh, when I was in Little League, uh, I would get on the bus after school, drive to the recreation field, help the recreation director get the game ready to chalk off the field, work on some grounds maintenance, help him cook the hot dogs, get it all ready for the game. When the game came to be and, and my team wasn't playing, I first found out, did both teams have enough players? If they did, I would see if the umpire showed up. The umpires didn't show up, I would umpire. If the umpire showed up and both teams had enough, I would do the PA and keep the book and run the scoreboard. If the teams didn't have enough players, I'd play for them. I would play with anywhere, anytime, any place. I just love to play, and I still love to play. And for me, coaching the team or playing on a team every single day is like clockwork to me. And people say, well, how do you do that? How can you stay focused? Don't you get tired? I just love to play. And when you're winning and the team is rolling, it's one of the greatest feelings in the whole wide world. And I really look at my background as a young person and the opportunities that people in my community helped me with and gave me rides and gave me opportunities and helped my development. It's, it's my way of trying to pass that back on. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to being in the community in Nanaimo and see how people react to our players there with the Night Owls. And then basically, hopefully take somewhat of a lead to, to show them the way to say, hey, these are some really up and comers right here. Be aware, you may see these guys in the big leagues at some point. So I'm excited about that also. You mentioned that you only had so many sports that you could play. And I, I understand you're a pretty decent basketball player. Did that help you with, with playing baseball and coaching? Every sport helped me. Football taught me to be tough. It really did. You, you, you absolutely have no idea what you've got until you taste your own blood. And that's the fact. Until you get hit in the mouth, you have no idea how tough you can be. And to be able to bounce back that and uh, to show some toughness and to, to develop that was really big in football. Basketball taught you to make contact. Believe it or not, back in the day, we didn't have a three-point line. So if you wanted a three-point play, you went into the paint, you went into the big guys, you learned to, to try to uh, draw a foul and, and score. It taught me uh, to be quick, use my feet, uh, to move things. And, and uh, yeah, all the sports taught me something. But it always came back to baseball. It always came back to baseball. I loved baseball. I loved playing. I played all the sports, all the, uh, of course, in high school. But in baseball, that transferred into me playing all the positions. And even in college, I was still playing multiple positions. And so I think that helped me a lot uh, understand uh, what people see. Because when you play a position, your view and your ideas and your angles from that position are totally different from everywhere else on the field. 
For instance, I think if a person comes to a game and they sit in the top bleacher, their perception of what's going on in the field is different than the person sitting right behind the plate in the first row versus the person sitting right behind the dugout versus a person being in the dugout versus a person being at the third base box versus a person playing third base versus a person pitching. Every angle is so much different in baseball. And my natural angle that I love is the dugout view. I think that goes back to coaching. I see the game really well from there. And um, I really, I like that angle. And, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful for my upbringing and the communities and the people that helped me along the way. No one gets where they're going without a lot of help. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I think that really happens in baseball. A lot of people put a hand in the, in the cookie jar to help you turn out to be a pretty good cookie. Quick follow-up question to that. You seem to be, from the videos that I've seen, you're super vocal. I mean, more vocal than most coaches. Is that fair? Uh, I'm communicative, uh, for sure. And you can't expect people to know what they don't know. So as a coach, you have to talk. One of my teaching points as a head coach, working with younger assistant coaches, is you have the knowledge. How can you transfer the knowledge to that person? Of course, you can show them the way by acting and how you conduct yourself and and the imprinting your behavior so they can see that. That's very important. But taking the time to talk is important. So, yes, uh, I I consider myself, Travis, to be a teacher and uh, teachers talk, teachers verbalize, teachers show the way. And uh, I'm not sure that I'm more or less than anyone else, but I am genuinely true to myself and how I act and what I say for what the moment needs. Yeah, that's that's really good, Coach, and I I, I like that. And I want to add on to that because a lot of a lot of people, and and I know myself specifically, that like I, you know I have that one mentor or I, or you know that one person who like I just latched on to like at a you know at a younger age or you know early in my adulthood life, and that I kind of took a lot from and learned a lot from. And the, let's throw this into like the coaching perspective for you. Who's that one person that kind of just you know, you felt like, you know, you was mentoring you or you just kind of learned a lot from and kind of guy, you know, felt like maybe guided you into the direction of coaching. Wow. That's tough to say one, Ben, but, but I will say Derek Mann senior, who was the head coach at Columbus college, who gave me my first coaching job, saw something in me to, to offer me the job and I'll forevermore be indebted for that. And by the way, that, that was working for free. That wasn't uh, this uh, $100,000 paycheck or this gravy train. It, uh, the way he used to say it to me was, I don't have any money to pay you, but I want you to work like you're making $100,000. And he wasn't kidding. We, and he, we worked on all aspects of the, the game, from field maintenance to recruiting to in the office to the business aspect of running a budget to negotiating for equipment to raising money off the field to working with players on the field, whether they're older and had an idea of what to do to teach them about leadership or whether they were younger and they had their eyes, you know, wide open for the first time going through things, teaching them just how to function as a man and making man uh, decisions. I say that a lot, you know, to players, take care of your man business. And that is, if you, if you take care of your business, your business will take care of you. That's how you wind up getting hurt in life is, not minding the things that you can control. 
And so, yeah, I mean, it comes back, Travis, you asked me about being vocal. Yes, I'm vocal. I've had a lot of experience and my experience is only as good as if I can pass it on to help others. So I'm not too timid about saying the things that I think needs to be said. I, I am a public speaker. I do a lot of public speaking that kind of transfers into a lot of what you're saying as well. And um, I'm looking forward to that process in uh, Nanaimo. I mean, you got to think now I'm coming there. I know no one except basically Jim. I know a few scattered people, but Jim is the only person that I know. I will not know one single player on the team. I really won't know the coaches on the team. I won't know our personnel, our fans or our staffers. And I'm completely, perfectly comfortable coming to make new friends at every turn. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, I mean, you're a college coach. So, you know, you go into the home, random homes of, of people who you're trying to recruit. You talk to their parents to try to, hey, come, come to the dark side. <laughs> well, I try to bring as much light to the situation as possible because I found that the dark side uh, will bite you. So I try to stay away from the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> You're a Gilmore High School uh, graduate. Um, you were uh, in your Caesar season there. You were MVP. I think it was baseball and football, uh, basketball, maybe. Maybe I got that wrong. My notes are kind of a little flurry uh, back and forth here. Uh, but you play, again, like Travis said, you played a couple different sports. And I know in 2006, you were inducted into the High School Hall of Fame there. Talk to us a little about uh, high school and, and how ball and the head coach there. So I was so locked on at a young age. I didn't really do high school like a normal student does. I mean, I, I, I feel like I was a little socially awkward. My classmates don't remember it that way, but I kind of felt that way because when they were having a party or a social gathering, I was out hitting baseballs in the batting cages or throwing a ball against the wall and fielding a ball or shooting basketball in the gym. I just had a goal from a very, very young age to be in high level athletics and play baseball and coach baseball at a high level that I really knew what I wanted to do at an early age. And I look back about that, Ben, and say to myself, how lucky a person I have been to know what my passion is and pursued my passion. Because as I've gotten older in my younger life, I couldn't understand why people weren't passionate about things. But as I've gotten older, I realized that a lot of people don't really know what their passions are. They have a hard time identifying that. It's more common. Uh, and I'd say it's more rare to know what your passion is as a young person. So I felt really great about that. And I have lived a, a dream life in the way of getting to be around sports and the game of baseball and things uh, to this point. And I feel so completely honored uh, that people want me to be with them and coach the team and and the friends and and uh, acquaintances and relationships that I've made through the years it's just been been amazing and it's all been centered around baseball and sports with what you know now and looking and reflecting back at you as a as a high school student high school athlete what would what would be some advice that you give your younger self to say you know do do this with the sports a little bit different maybe because i know we, we asked some coaches like hey, what would you do differently you tell them go work out a little bit more uh maybe be you know more you know play a couple different sports to be get, you know build up more different muscle types kind of what what would it be that you would tell your younger self wow uh so you know i played multiple sports i lettered I lettered in four sports in high school and 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 made an appearance in two other sports so i played six sports in high school 
I I did work out, but working out at that time wasn't like it is now. The nutrition, the diet, the sleep, the the plan, the weight room, the strength conditioning coaches, all of those things that now everybody has private coaches for, those things weren't around or available for us back in that time. Um, I wish I would have and could have put more time into my academics. Now, that's probably not the answer that you were going for, but if I had it to go over, I would like to do that because I enjoy learning and I enjoy the information that I was getting. But because I was not wealthy, I was doing all those sports. And then I was working after sports at the local Dairy Queen was one of my jobs. I had a thousand jobs, but one of my jobs was to go to the Dairy Queen and work the rest of the night shift, usually from about seven until close. And then my job was to mop the floors, clean the toilets, uh, pick up the trash in the uh, parking lot. Nothing about this is beautiful or wonderful or creates this great image of I uh, had the easy street because I had so much on my plate as a young person, but I knew what I wanted to do. And I was using all those things around me to improve my situation. So yeah, I, 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 I maybe would do a couple things over, but I would like to do the academic part over because I had, my grades were okay. They were representable. They were fine, but they weren't what I was capable of doing. But the reality is I didn't have time and I had to prioritize my time. I want to talk a little bit about your travels. And, and I think in terms of education and life, uh, travel is so important. You, you went to Troy. I'm, I'm curious how you got to Troy, but um, from Troy to now Nanaimo, but in between Germany, I mean, that's an education in itself. What, what's been one of the, or how can you quantify what's been the most rewarding in terms of, of baseball experience for you? Well, you know, my experiences are also heartfelt, warm, great to me that I don't want to prioritize them. I want them each just to stand on their own and me love them for what they were and how they were. Just like I love going to Prince George. I did. I literally, we stayed two weeks in Prince George and there's not a lot in Prince George, but the people there were awesome and the crowds were enthusiastic and they loved baseball and the baseball was really high level. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys know this and, and I know that you've researched uh, our situation but my German team played the USA national team. And on the USA national team was Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole, JPR and Sia. They, it, that team was loaded. It was the, maybe I'll make a case that that could have been the best USA national team in the history of the collegiate level national team. Canadians had the national team there. That was the college level division team. Uh, it was a really strongly played tournament. And I, and I loved all that. So my experiences, Travis, really have defined me. And I agree with you that education, the best education is in travel. Uh, I think I find the people that have the strongest opinion maybe haven't seen the most. And uh, before you judge any people, go see how they live and see their difficulties and what they're up against. What I've learned about travel through the course of my lifetime is almost everybody and all people are really relatively the same. They all want the same things. They they want a job so they can make enough money to take care of themselves and their family. They want opportunities for education to give their children a better life and an opportunity to grow. They want uh, a power to be empowered so that their opinion and their decisions and their position matters. 
I'm not talking about being a president of a, a country or maybe a CEO of a country, but to be respected in their community. And when they have a voice, people will listen to them. And so I find people to be mostly alike. I also find when you say hello, people are a little bit more interested in talking to you. And when you say thank you, they're more interested in following up with you. And so I, I'll go into any situation trying to make a new friend. And my travels have been amazing. Uh, probably the best thing I can say about my travel, my wife and I, Rhonda, we just celebrated 33 years of marriage mm -hmm. on the 28th of November. We have two unbelievable children. They're 28 years old. My daughter, she's a chief of staff for Bloomberg Financial in the uh, Department of Engineering in San Francisco. And my son is 25. He lives in Orlando, works for an IT company, and he is a traveler in himself, uh, been to a lot of countries in the world. He taught English in China for a year and um, potentially maybe going to Japan in the future to teach English. He is a traveler. So my, my children, my wife and two kids got to travel with me and experience the world. And so what it, one of the things that attracted me about the travel was um, that I could take my family with me and they could get their own education, Travis, just as you alluded to before, by what they see and, and the people that they meet. And um, they're, they're very worldly in their own right now. 33 years is impressive. Happy anniversary. Yes, Thank happy you. anniversary on that one, Coach. Yeah, it's not easy to be a coach and be married uh, because it takes a lot of time. It's not easy to be a coach and be a father. But I never cheated my kids. I was always there. Yes, I did skate in and almost turned the car over, uh, a rolled it over a couple of times, just barely making it on time. But I made it. And um, my wife has been extremely supportive. Uh, one of the questions I always ask anybody that ever calls and says, would you be interested in coaching our team? The first question I say is, can my wife accompany me and be with me for everything that I do with your team? Is a yes or a no? And if it is a no, then the, I'll give you my no answer right now. And if it's a yes, we can continue the dialogue. And when I told Jim that, he said, absolutely. We'd love to have Rhonda here in the community. We think she'd bring a lot to the community too. So therefore I was all ears and open to that. And I'm very thankful to Jim and his partners uh, for, for allowing Rhonda to, to be with me. Uh, she makes a difference because a, a great coach's wife makes a better coach for tomorrow, if you know what I mean. They can listen a lot, give you some advice, and a, and a new perspective is important. And I think a wife's perspective is always a perspective about the human being, not necessarily about the baseball. Yeah. I want to jump into the West Coast League now and um, really dive in more to what got you here right now and then kind of moving forward. And my first question that, you know, we have for you is why, why the West Coast League? I mean, there, there are other collegiate summer leagues that are out there, for example, like the Cape Cod League, and I think there's the Great Northwest League. But why, why, why the West Coast League? Well, I think I have to start back to say when I finished at Georgia State, basically, in reality, that's a 35-year college baseball commitment of – doing it and then you start coupling how many years I played college baseball how many years I played high school baseball on and on I, I could easily say I'm just ready for a break I'm ready to retire I am really ready for a break I really wasn't trying to get back into the game 
so so much. I mean, it had to be the right situation. And there's other things in my life that I wanted to do besides just coach baseball. And when I did finish coaching baseball at the college level, I said that being a baseball coach and being in baseball would just doesn't totally define me. I have other qualities as a human being besides being a coach. And those are not going to end. And that was my thought process. But then I got out um, and away from the game a little bit. I talked to some different people about different things, but it was all about the right fit. It had to be the right fit. And then when I talked to Jim, it just felt like the right fit. Uh, I'm excited about working in Nanaimo. I'm excited about the West Coast League, too. But I'm more excited about working in Nanaimo. I'm excited about starting a new program. I'm excited about getting to know the people there. I'm excited about being a part of and knowing more about the history of baseball and sports in Nanaimo. I'm extremely honored to be the coach there. And then I'm also really excited and honored collectively together to be uh, in charge and to help lead a, a program, which is going to be one of the biggest sports uh, and sporting clubs in the history of that city. And then to think about the, the history that's gone on in Nanaimo concerning baseball and history and um, uh, the, the players that's played on that field. I think a lot about that. Uh, when I signed the contract, I called the mayor and I talked to the mayor and I told him that I wanted him to know that I'm going to be the best ambassador he could ever want for this new team in Nanaimo. And I will help sell not only our team, I'll help sell the city every day because I'm excited to come there and I want to be a working integral part of that community. And I appreciated already, even from a distance, how much the city has got behind this new team and then helped revitalize the stadium and, and the field. It's amazing what's going on there. And I realized that, uh, again, I've got to play my role because a lot of people have been taking the lead in their role and doing a great job there. Uh, and so I'm excited about that. I, I don't know about any other team, and I don't really even want to make comment about any other team, except maybe the Harbor Cats, which I have a history with that. My son went to Victoria and worked as an intern for the Harbor Cats one summer. And I'm a big fan of the Harbor Cats and how they do things and want to see them have success. But at the same time, I realize now that's going to be a it's going to be a, there's going to be some, it's going to be some good baseball. Let's put it like that. I think it'll be interesting for everyone concerned and it could get a little edgy and we'll see where it all goes with all that. But the only thing you can do as a coach is have your team best prepared to play the game that day. And I think a lot of rivalry things are big, always big talk for fans. And that's what keeps the interest in the game and, and, uh, and does that. I think uh, potentially I've seen a potential schedule and there's a lot of, rivalry games on the schedule uh, for, for our club. So that should make everybody interested. And so the West Coast League is appealing. It's a top five league in the nation. I know it's good baseball. I'm not afraid to travel. We've just talked about that. I've traveled all over the world coaching baseball. I feel like going to Nanaimo is a home game for me, believe it or not. Going across to the West Coast, it just feels like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not a big deal. I'm just looking forward to working with the players and everybody I've worked with concerning the Night Owls and the staff has just been first-class people working really hard to make this a good product. So it's exciting for me. 
a lot of I bet a lot of fans will ask, you know, how did you find out about the opening? Is is there a story behind that? Can you tell us exactly how that transpired and and what your feelings were when when you learned of the opening? Um, you know, I never really learned that there was an opening. I don't think. I think that Jim Swanson and I had a relationship dating all the way back to the Prince George tournament, and Jim. So uh, here's a good bit of a story for you. So we're playing in that tournament. And the German team comes the day before the first game. And the German players, they, they really don't handle jet lag well. Uh, first off, German baseball players don't travel on an airplane. That's, that's like a rarity. They travel by cars, vans with their club teams to different cities in their country. Sometimes three hours, sometimes five hours. But they never travel on an airplane. It would have to be a national team for that to happen. And so they get to Prince George. Well, actually, here's what happened. We flew into Seattle. They picked us up on a motor coach and then started an eight or nine hour trip up to Prince George via motor coach. So that took a long time. So the team was just not really representative in the first day or two. I think we were one and one in the first two days and didn't look good. But I told Jim, Jim, this is this team can play. We'll get better. Just give us a few days and then you're going to see a team really play. And then we played really well uh, in the pool play, got into the playoffs, wind up winning our games. We beat um, the Canadian team in the semifinals and then played the USA team in the championship game. But in the championship game, I told Jim, Jim, I'm really sorry. I want to apologize on behalf of our team, we just don't have enough pitching to really give you the game that you would like to have for your championship game. But I promise you this team will show up and play tomorrow. And we lost six to three. And um, that doesn't sound like much, but the game was never close. Uh, we just didn't have enough pitching, but we played our hearts out. And uh, a couple of our players, Tim Hinkin-Johan was recognized in that tournament as the pitcher of the tournament. Now that's with Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer and you just own and own. It was amazing how he beat the USA national team. And uh, a lot of the people really got behind the German team. And it was because the way the team reacted to the people and took the time to know them. And I think they got to know my family and it was just a really good experience. And Jim told me afterwards, if I ever get a job situation open would you I'd love, really love to work with you and I said that we we could we could work on that and so I just stayed in touch with Jim through the course of the years and Jim was telling me from way back I may be about to buy um, into a team in the West Coast League talking about the Harbor Cats and then he would tell me that hey we were getting ready to start a second team in the Nimo, and I, I think you'd really be a good fit if you're interested and I said you know let me see how this is going how that's mm -hmm. going and it just kind of started to materialize into more regular talk. And uh, could we do this? And could we do that? Can we work on this? Can we work on that? And can we be competitive? And what is your goals? And I would share some thoughts and he would share some thoughts. And it was very fluid in that way. And I really appreciate him because if I'm working in any organization, the, my teams have been the most successful when people have listened to what I'm telling them is happening from the inner ground floor. It's like the CEO who makes all the decisions but never goes down to the dock at the shipping company and doesn't understand why they're having problems with shipping. Uh, 
I'm on the ground floor. Uh, and so if my, uh, if, if my administration owners are willing to listen, then uh, we can make this a good thing. And that's been my position through time and Jim has been really great. And so um, we just had a plan from, from a long time back. I'm, I'm not sure that I had, we had the plan for me to coach the Nanaimo team. I don't think that even was on the radar a few years ago, but we always had a plan to hope to work together someday. Other than fine tuning your players for the upcoming summers, some coaches, you know, they have, you know, different expectations of their players um, while in their, their city, their town, or, or at their university. And you're well aware that Nanaimo is a very diverse community with a very storied past, you know, dating back hundreds and thousands of years. What is your goal for these players and the community itself? Like the, their, their, the player involvement in the community during the summer, because you, you and the players will be there as guests. Uh, maybe some of them are local, will be local residents, but what overall you'd be like guests there. You know, in my perfect world, then I, I, I want the players to know the fans. I think that might be, you know, that's a little, maybe that's a little optimistic for me to think that because I think when you're an 18 to 22 year old male, you're not really thinking about being an ambassador for the game. But I think that's where coaching comes in and you identify what's going to be important here. What, what's important for us? What can we do uh, to become a part of the community? Uh, I can tell you that, you know, coaching all those years at Division I level, some of the greatest moments that our players had was when they went off to summer baseball. And what happens is a lot of times these players in college, they don't live very far from the college they're playing from or playing for. They really never have that breakaway experience, break away from mom and dad, break away from what they know, break away from their community, break away from their girlfriend, break away from all the things that's around them all the time and just have to go on their own. My, my expectations for the players are going to be that Nanaimo is going to basically function as a gateway to professional baseball, learning how to handle themselves away from home, how to be professional, how to treat people with dignity and respect, how to, you know, maintain themselves and, how they conduct themselves on and off the baseball field, how to play hard for that person that spent a dollar or $5 or $10 or $20 or maybe $100 for a family to come to a game, to play hard, to give them their money's worth, and then to shake their hand and say, hey, thanks for coming to the game. I appreciate that. You know, a lot of the players are going to be living with host families, uh, treating, you start right there, treating the host family with dignity and respect and be a viable part and maybe uh, pitching in to take out the trash or vacuum the carpet or mow the grass or whatever they can be to help that family. Uh, there's different layers of this. And the native people there of Nanaimo have an interest in, in women and children and helping them and be a part of that. I think me and Jim have talked about that some uh, at, at some length. I'd like to see that. Uh, I'd like to see that relationship grow and, and to see where, what I can do and what impact that I can make there in the community. And I don't know, Ben, if I can make any impact in that community. I can only go there and try, but I'll tell you the motivation, the effort, the energy, uh, the communication will be there on my part. I hope to, uh, I would like to think that no matter what community I'm living in, that I'm making something positive happen around me. So I have a good energy about that. 
And my energy about that is going to be clearly in my assistant coaches and as well as my players. And if it's in a perfect world, our players and fans would be in complete unity and the club would belong to everyone. I hope that your, your players will take this opportunity as you've discussed to, for themselves, to like you will be doing, is learning more about the history of that particular area. I mean, I, I know I haven't been there myself, but I've done a lot of research and it's become part of me as I've you know, we've done this this series on baseball there and getting to talk to those individuals um, from Nanaimo. Um, but I'm just I'm just glad to hear what you're saying and just just glad that, you know, you want your players to be actively you know involved. And um, I'm I'm really looking forward to having them interact with not not just the adults, but but the younger children children there because they're the ones that are seeing these players and this may be the closest that they get to seeing somebody of this magnitude of play at this level and it may influence them and you may be that one person that influences others to get out and play ball so i I appreciate that thank you ben i'll give you a different perspective there too though maybe our players opportunity to meet one of the most successful people on the history of the earth you never know what a child is capable of. A good word, a positive attitude, confidence in a young person helps our, not only does it help our society be better, but it helps people grow. And I think one of the reasons that young people struggle is because they're socially awkward. They really don't know how to communicate. So when someone like a, a, a not owl player reaches out to them and has a good word for them and really in, uh, takes a moment to encourage can go a long way in a community with helping the community build. And uh, my goodness, in our society right now, we need more leadership, more positive energy, more encouragement, and get people back on track and get people back together. You once said in an interview, the kids who are most communicated, communicative, <laughs> communicative on the field are the best leaders. Can you explain that? Yes, I can explain that. I think it's important that kids talk, and I'm constantly talking about uh, in practice, what are you saying? What are you bringing? Um, Pre-pitch communication is vital in being prepared for the next pitch. Um, For instance, the, the, the banter between the shortstop and the second baseman about who has the bag and what pitch and how they're going to play and what they're going to do is important. Uh, a center fielder talking uh, to the shortstop saying, hey, I'm, sh- I'm going to shorten up right here. I'm right behind you uh, is important. The catcher, particularly the catcher, just stepping out, taking charge and letting people know what's going on is important. It's not really important for pitchers to, to do a lot of talking. Matter of fact, they don't really need to say too much. Their actions are going to be evident by every pitch that they throw. But there's something that each position can bring between every pitch to let each other know what's happening. And when they talk to each other, they support each other. When they talk to each other, they start to rely on each other. And when they talk to each other and bring quality, valuable information, that is taking a leadership role and builds confidence within a team. And I'm not talking about um, wasted talk. I'm talking about valuable talk. And, uh, you know, there's people uh, in general public. There's people that are communicative and people that really don't say a lot. And I have to find the personalities of both of those. 
And my idea of someone saying a lot might not be very much because they're pretty quiet. And then on the other hand, I may have a guy who talks all the time but doesn't really say anything. And I got to dial him back a little bit to say, hey, choose your words, pick your words so that they have meaning, not that you're just rambling, talking all the time to have no meaning because people tune you out uh, for that. So this is coaching all the time. You coach everything. You mean, good coaches coach everything. They coach how to talk, how not talk. They coach how to play, how not to play, how to get on the field, how to get off the field how to encourage each other, how to maintain strength and discipline, what your body language looks like on the field, no hanging your head. I mean, one of the biggest things that any good coach does is was when his team is getting the crap beat out of them on a particular day, and if you stay in baseball long enough, it's going to happen, is not quitting and not crying and not whining and continuing to keep playing professionally to squeeze out something positive that you can carry over into the next day to say, hey, well, we had a bad day yesterday, but we did this good. Let's build on that. On that note, you had a, uh, an amazing interview with uh, Peter Caliendo in which you discussed several important areas for players, such as the, you know, gaining confidence and, and to mature. How do you see yourself being the coach mentor to players who you, you may only coach for a few weeks or months? Well, first off, let's start with Pete Caliendo, a great friend of mine a tremendous professional. He's got a great show uh, outside the box baseball. He's an international baseball guy, traveled all over the world. I have so much respect for Pete and the ISG International Sports Group that goes around the entire world pretty much and does baseball clinics for people. I've been with them to different places. My last event with them was in Budapest in Hungary. We did a clinic for the at the European Baseball uh, Coaches Association. It was a great clinic. Uh, we had hell of a speakers there. Brent Strom, pitching coach for the Astros, was there. Tom O'Connell uh, was there. Uh, and on and on, a lot of, of really good speakers. Uh, Don Freeman was there. Um, and uh, I just, a lot of respect for Pete. And I love doing his show. Travis, you're asking me about baseball and people. What part of that question, uh, ask that question again, I want to really do a good job of that because I've started thinking about Pete and got me off track a little bit. No, that's that's totally fine. I'm just asking, how you know, how do you personally, you you, you have such a limited amount of time, you know, well, so how do you I, personally. My, my approach to that is going to be, that. yeah, that's a really good question because that's a question that really can't be answered. But let me tell you how I'm going to generally approach this, is that every single player I coached in college, every single one of them wanted to be a professional. I really didn't coach any players that didn't want to get drafted. All players want to get drafted. They want to compete for the Toronto Blue Jays in front of a sold-out stadium and be in the World Series against the Atlanta Braves. And they were, by the way, a few years ago, Toronto and Atlanta. And Joe Carter hit the big home run. I'm, I'm sure you guys haven't forgotten about that. I sure haven't. Uh, but on and on. So I think all players want to do that. Uh, so my approach is going to be when you are in college baseball as a recruit, you selected the school you wanted to go to. You selected the coaching staff you wanted to play for. You probably knew a lot of the guys that are on the team because they're from a general area. A lot of the things that you are going to have a lot of things that you selected and picked. When you go to professional baseball, the Colorado Rockies call your name in the eighth round 
and you don't know where you're going. You don't know who your coaches are going to be. You don't know their philosophy. You don't even really know for sure what position they're going to want you to play. You'll find all that out when you get there. My approach is going to be, well, we know you, and to some degree you picked us because we asked you, but we picked you too. So this is really a gateway and orientation to professional baseball, really. You have a new coaching staff. You have a new city. You have a new country for some people coming to Canada. You're experiencing West Coast baseball. A lot of our kids are East Coast kids who's going to be playing on the team. We'll have our share of West Coast kids too. But it's just a new area, a new time. Uh, I'm a Southern guy from Atlanta, Georgia. You don't pick your coaches in professional baseball. Mike Spears is our pitching coach. Mike Spears is living out in San Diego, California. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. We're coaching baseball in Nanaimo in British Columbia, Canada. Okay, we're all thrust in together. This is the beginning and start of how you move up as a professional. You start with a brand new group of people, you build relationships, and you show value of who you are as a human being first, and then as a baseball player, secondly, to say, I'm a valued part of this organization they can't be without me, and I'm going to show them what I can do on the field, off the field, in leadership, within the team, with uh, stability and what my coaches asked me to do. And I will show over time I'm the cream of the crop and I will rise up and be considered to move up again in professional baseball. So I don't know what players always are thinking about what summer baseball is going to be. Sometimes it's the idea that they're going to show up and it's going to be a big party and they're going to have a, a, a some time off. I really don't think the way that we put this Nanaimo team together, that's going to be the case at all. I think there's going to be a lot of young men who want to pursue a professional career and want to parlay this opportunity into something greater. And uh, my idea of something greater is to have a life experience they will carry with them through adulthood and look back on it in a very favorable way. Hopefully they'll learn some baseball, uh, improve their game so that they'll be considered uh, even a better prospect after they leave. And I've been telling all these college coaches and having been a college coach, it's easy for me to, to, to tell these guys this, is that my idea is to help them be a better man to help them continue to work on things from a baseball perspective they've got to get better in and then continue to teach them about winning because let's let's be real let's talk real talk no matter what job you're in it's about getting your numbers and being successful and being considered a winner whether you're in sales for a company uh, whether you're a coach what it doesn't matter you have to show up and get a positive result and baseball is a game of results and you got to get them so there will be a lot of talk about how do we position ourselves to win the game? Because that's what everybody's going to be proud of. Yeah, they're going to want to know you as a person, but nobody really wants to, to know the guy who's not successful. People want to be around successful people. How can we do that? What's day one looking like for your coach? When you get there, boots on the ground, in Nanaimo, your team's there. First day, what's what's that day going to look like for you? And I'm sure you're going to be thrilled and excited to be there. Well, first off, my team will not be there before I'm there. I will definitely be there. I'm a get there early, show up, be prepared type of guy. I always find out that I'm the luckiest when I'm the most prepared. So let's keep it let's keep it on that. Um, I will be there. Um, my first priority moving there is 
move myself and my wife into brand new housing. It's so important for me to be comfortable and for her to be comfortable in where we're living and the environment we're living in. I'm, I'm very, um, I'm, I'm always aware of my surroundings and um, I try to keep everything around me in an orderly workable way uh, because I manage a lot and I feel most comfortable doing that. I, when that's secured, I want to try to meet everybody in our office, get to know everybody as much as possible in a short period of time, and then tell the and then have a, a, a meeting with the entire organization and tell them again what my vision, what I'm expecting, uh, and how uh, I'd like to do it. Answer any questions and remind them that we're working together to make that a championship organization. That's will be the goal from day one. I realize Nanaimo is is a brand new startup team. But there's no reason why we can't go out and prepare to compete for a championship. You don't need 100 years of experience to put yourself in a position. You can you can go along and do things in the right way. And part of the reasons I know that I'm hired is because I bring experience to the team and the organization. And then I will look forward to getting the team in. And then I'm not a big meetings guy. I don't want to have a meeting with the players every day. And I can tell you right now. 18 to 22 year olds don't want to have a meeting every day. They hate meetings. They want to play baseball. And so players are better when they're actively doing things versus sitting there listening to people talk. And so you got to find the middle ground there of having enough meeting where everybody knows what to do and you're on the same page. But at the same time, you've got to do it. I'll probably have a team meeting about once a week to discuss how we're doing things and what we're doing. And then we won't have so many meetings. It'll be more one-on-one -on -one at the field, or maybe a guy will come in early and I'll sit down with myself or Mike Spears as a pitching coach may sit down and show him some video or something that he can work on. Or we may talk about something that's going on privately in a person's life. I mean, things that maybe people don't think about coaches do is they talk a lot to players on a one-on-one -on -one level privately, personally, where the talk never leaves the office about things that's going on in their life. And a coach that's successful has the pulse of the team and they understand who's in a good way and who's not in a good way. And analytics can't always tell you those things. And I'm, that's why I, may, I think I'm old enough to know that analytics play a huge role in successful preparation, but don't always tell the entire story because you can make numbers lie to you any way you want to. You can twist them and turn them and, and confuse yourself with that or you can keep that human element and aspect as your number one aspect. And that's what I want to do using the numbers to enhance our team. That would be a lot of the communication talk with the team. You know, as of the date of this recording, which is December 1st of 2020, we're, we're, we're dealing with a very different world just because of COVID and, and what we're experiencing with this, you know, as, as this continues on and hopefully, you know, there, they're, they're creating, they've got this vaccines that, you know, they're coming out, but how has that communication been and, and what, how has it been different? Because you're, again, you're in, you're in Georgia, but Victoria, British Columbia, or is in Vancouver Island is very far away. Nanaimo is very far away from you. So are you using a lot of like zoom meetings, other different things to, to kind of get to know your staff and, and get the, you know, know the, you know, the, the Nanaimo group better? Yes. The answer to that is yes, Ben, that's very, there's a lot of moving parts you were just talking about right there. I'll try to address a lot of them. 
Yes, I've used Zoom meetings, talked to assistant coaches and Jim and 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 ownership group. Uh, we've talked about different things. I haven't really Zoomed, called meeting a lot of the players because I don't know who the players are going to be. For instance, I think I know who the team's going to be based on who we, we, we recruited. But let's say Canadian doesn't, Canada doesn't open up the borders. Well, maybe I can get there and have to quarantine for two weeks, and I'll do it if I need to. But I may have an all-Canadian team, and the team that I think I have might not even be the team at all. It might be an all-Canadian team. There may be a limited, reduced schedule. Uh, there may be a problem with kids traveling. I don't know what's going to happen. COVID has created a big-time problem for me. Uh, and then everybody else. Uh, so here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to put a team together that can win uh, and be competitive in the league using all players from everywhere to do that. I'm trying to have enough Canadian players that if we had to go to a Canadian team, we'd have a team that could be competitive and compete. Uh, I'm trying to be prepared for a later start than, than may be possible. I'm trying to be prepared for there might not be baseball at all. Uh, and then I'm also prepared for the vaccine hits and COVID goes away and we say goodbye to 2020 and COVID. And I think we're going to, hey, uh, just on another note, I think we're going to have one of the greatest celebrations in the history of earth on January, uh, on December 31st, prior to January 1st, 2021, because people are going to say bye-bye 2020. We're sick of you and COVID. We're ready to get on to something bigger and better. And hopefully we're going to have a vaccine and all this is going to be in the rearview mirror, and we all are going to be in a good place. But from a coaching standpoint, I'm thinking about all of those things that are coming up, and I can't control any of them. And, you know, coaches like to control situations so they can predict. It's been tough to do that with COVID. So, Coach, this is, uh, you know, this is an inaugural season. There's, it's like an inaugural season is pretty magical. And so what, what are you looking most forward to because it's an inaugural season with the Night Owls and, and uh, Nanaimo uh, bars? You know, I'm really looking forward to dressing out and seeing the first pitch thrown out, to seeing the smiles on people's faces for how much work has gone into making this a reality. I'm looking forward to seeing the people in the stands and the happiness to have a team that they can be proud of. I'm looking forward to seeing my wife in the stands and having another experience with her. And I know my children will be there as well. Um, I'm looking forward to knowing the people in the office better. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the players on the field can do. I mean, I'm, I, it's tough to wait as long as I'm having to wait to work with the players because a good coach can get a kid team together and get them organized. I remember going to Germany. My wife said it was like a broken record. I would fly in and we'd have about maybe a week, sometimes 10 days max to get the team ready for big time world competition to play the Cubans, the Japanese, the South Koreans, the Canadians, on and on. The USA team, big, big ask. And if you know German baseball, you know, they're, they're playing very limited. It's more like a recreation versus a serious professional situation. But the Germans always played hard. 
And what I really liked about them is I would show up, we'd be unorganized, and in a short period of time, the team would start to feel more like a team and more, a little bit more commitment. And we'd do some things together in the evening, uh, tell some stories and, and uh, talk about history and opportunities and experience relationships and have some laughs and the whole deal. Uh, I'm planning on that happening with uh, the night owls. I'm trying to organize all that in the best way that I can uh, to feel that. I, I understand that the West Coast League schedule is grueling and you play every day. And I can tell you as a Division One coach, it's really difficult on players to play four days a week, four games, four different days a week. It's really tough on them. Now, part of that is they're going to school at the same time. So that's a big, that's a big piece of it. But guys that are 18 to 22 are not accustomed to playing baseball every single day. It wears on them. So it's important that we have some depth and utilize a roster. So I plan on doing that. I don't, I think that uh, one of the things that's going to be exciting about watching us play is we'll play a different style of baseball every day based on the personnel that we have on the field. And I'm planning on using the entire roster. And I'm excited also about having some local guys on the team, not because they're local, but because I think the fans will be charged up to see them play. And I know they're going to be all guns a blazing. They're going to want to come out and, and really light it up. I'm excited to see what they can do. I'm just excited to watch the players, get to know them better, to see what they can do, and then get them in the right places and in the right roles to help us as we go through the season. Because the season is really a preparation to get into the playoffs to do your best work at the end of the year to win a championship. Exactly. Well, Coach, that, that's uh, that's going to wrap it up uh, for this inning of cold ball. Um, but for, for us here, uh, you know, with the diamonds and roses podcast, um, it's, it's been an honor, uh, to, to have you on. And as uh, we talked offline, you know, listening to, you know, some of the other, uh, interviews with you, I, I ran, came away wanting to run through a brick wall. So <laughs> yeah, I, uh, thank you coach. I, I appreciate everything. Ben, don't run through a brick wall. Let's <laughs> just, let's just attack that wall at the stadium this year. That, that beautiful high wall over there. I got a lot of getting a lot of feedback and talks about uh, construction on a new wall and what that may look like. I think that's going to be exciting too. Left-handed hitting power guys are going to feast in this ballpark. So hopefully we'll get a few of those on the roster as well. Thank you for having me. It's, it's an unbelievable opportunity for me uh, to coach the team there. I'm excited. The history of Nanaimo and all the sports, but particularly baseball, Knowing what's going on in that stadium is just an honor beyond an honor. And I'm thrilled to, uh, to be the coach there. Excellent. Well, that's, that's been Coach Greg Frady on this inning number nine of Cole Ball. It's been amazing uh, to do this series. Travis, thank you so much for participating and, and helping me out. It's been amazing. I, I want to give a shout out to the coach for coming on. I want to give a shout out to Jim Swanson, give a shout out to the mayor of Nanaimo, uh, the people of the Cisnaimo nation, um, those players uh, that have, have come on and, and talking to talk to us, co other coaches that have come on. Um, and then 
you know, most importantly, you know, our sponsors uh, who have who have kind of keep us going with with this uh, baseballism, uh, big league chew, uh, Devo bats. Uh, you guys have been amazing. Um, you know, in and, and, and Ray from you know the from Nanaimo. Uh, you know, Ray's been so helpful, and and I want to give Ray a, a huge shout out. He's been a great guy really big you know passing some things off so ray's been really deeply involved in this particular series and so i really appreciate him and, and more importantly jim swanson in the group for letting us letting us do this so thank you so much thank you for listening to Cobal, and you have a wonderful day uh, wherever you're at and thank you for being part of this great great series Thank you.